0: Hey folks, Matt Hunsaker here, welcoming you back to the State Tax Show. Today is part four, the final episode in our series on state and local tax issues in M&A. Today we talk about all the fun that happens after the deal closes. Well, the puppy I talked about several episodes ago has finally arrived. You may even hear him. I've been a stick in the mud about getting a dog, but now that he's here, I think I might grow fond of the little feller. That is, if he stops howling all night long. We did a naming bracket with our top 16 names, and the winner was... Roscoe. I'll put a link to a picture in the show notes if you're interested. I mentioned that this episode was going to be a special treat, and I hope that it is, but it's not the treat I was referring to. That got pushed back to next week, so stay tuned. So we are now at four parts to this series. I hope that you don't infer from the number of episodes that this little series of ours has been thoroughly exhaustive. It hasn't. We've just hit the high points to get things on your radar and to give a flavor of the issues. Today, we are going to end the series by talking about a few discrete post-closing issues. The first issue is a tax-sharing agreement, and this really goes back to the whole idea of really understanding what your transaction does to the composition of your combined group. And so you need to evaluate whether you need a state tax specific tax sharing agreement. Now, sometimes there will be one for certain federal purposes, and people may tell you that's good enough. But 90% of the time, and that's a reliable statistic, they just don't get the job done for state tax purposes. The main issue to look out for is a joint venture of some type where the JV is in the same unitary combined group as the majority owner, but not in the combined group of the minority owner. In this case, without a tax sharing agreement, the majority owner's group may end up picking up the tab for tax on the JV's income. Or alternatively, the majority owner may use provisions in the operating agreement to allocate more tax to the JV than is really attributable to the JV's income Which economically pushes more of the tax to the minority owner. So, you need a tax sharing agreement to make the JV entity responsible for its share of the tax, and you need to say how to calculate that. It's that latter half where it gets really tricky, especially in a state like, say, Texas, where partnerships and LLCs are subject to tax, and the tax rate and method for calculating the tax base can be different between the JV and the group that it ends up being a part of. Second, let's talk about transition service agreements. We alluded to this back in part one when we talked with the M&A lawyers. You have to be careful with these agreements. They're typically put in place when the buyer wants to rely on the seller's employees and infrastructure for a season to smooth over the transition of the business. The problem is that many of these employees will be doing things like payroll, bookkeeping, repairs, other back office things, and a long list of other things that might be subject to sales tax. Now, they weren't taxable when the seller operated the business because the services were being performed by its employees. But now that it is farming out its employees to provide these services to a third party and it's getting consideration, well, that looks a lot more like a sale. And in a big transaction with a robust transition period, if those transition services become subject to sales tax, it can result in millions of dollars in unexpected sales tax. And surprisingly, no one ever seems to look at this. But now you know. The third thing I want to talk about is what to do when you buy a known lemon. This happens a lot. You find an awesome business to buy that really complements your business. But they have a lot of state tax problems that came to light in diligence. Say, for example, it's a tech company that has not been collecting sales tax that it should have. Many times, the upside is worth making the transaction, even though it has a little tax hair on it. But you need to clean that up, and usually you'll do that through a voluntary disclosure agreement. But this is where it gets a little tricky. If the purchase agreement was done correctly, the tax heirs of the past belong to the seller. Unless, of course, a different arrangement was negotiated. But if you just go around and unilaterally tell states about the liability, well, the seller may argue that you violated the purchase agreement by exposing the liability or not giving the seller control over how it comes clean on the liability. And as a result, the seller could argue that it doesn't have to indemnify you for pre-closing liabilities. Now, the answer to that question is going to depend on the language in the agreement. But why put yourself in the position to have to ask the question in the first place? So whenever you buy an entity, knowing full well that you'll have to do VDAs for pre-closing tax snafus, make sure that your purchase agreement specifically authorizes you as the buyer to do it, just so that there is no question. Now fourth, there's a lot of cleanup that has to take place after a transaction, you know, things like tax permits, changing registrations, and merging tax and accounting IT systems. But thankfully, I don't think we need to cover that just be aware and ready for the merge. There's a slew of people who can help you with those issues. Some of you have asked about how to treat the gain from selling a business. And that really would fit nicely in this series but I'm going to do a more in-depth podcast or maybe even a webinar on that subject. So we'll leave it out of this series because this is really meant to be an overview series. And I'm going to be covering that subject in great detail later on. Thanks so much to all of you who have stuck through this four part series and for all of your questions along the way. If you happen to miss any of the earlier episodes in the series, I'll put links to them in the description so you can go get caught up. Please be sure, though, to tune in next week for the special bonus episode. Until then, this is Matt Hunsaker for The State Tax Show. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker & Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. The hiring of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Please visit bakerlaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.